most people when they go to work they come home at the end of the week and they get a paycheck you know you're a little bit richer than you were when you started they were kind of looking at me a little funny like who's this roadkill sitting here on the waiting room <laughs> started with my student loan and, and finished back with my student loan and there were a few times i almost i almost got wiped out there was this uh, chinese toilet paper company i got hooked and then the long journey began if i'm sitting there all day it's either because i'm having a great day or a really bad day i get people that come to me and they say hey the stock's up 400 should i buy it and i'm thinking well why did you wait until now people say you can't time the markets you can time the markets. You're going to learn a lot about the markets, but you're going to learn a lot about yourself as well. Don't mortgage your future on becoming a successful active trader. And uh, that's basically it. Take it seriously and uh, enjoy the journey. For many, many years now, as all of our viewers will know, I have been a diehard blue chip long term, you know, buy these good quality companies and hold them well, forever or decades in many cases. I've always had a bit of a curiosity though about you know life on the other side and there's this polar opposite a style of investing to what I do and I am just thrilled I'm joined today by a very good friend of mine his name is Dylan and he is a pure day trader you know not one of these sort of COVID I'm gonna invest my CERB money in all these crazy trades he's not a Lamborghini wannabe um, he legitimately earns his money by day trading and I've invited him along today to share his journey and you know it'll really sort of satisfy my curiosity and I'm sure a lot of our viewers, viewers as well will be very keen on learning your story. So Dylan, how are you today? I'm good. Great to be here. Nice to nice to see you as well. I know uh, we were originally going to set this interview up for last week, but you're on the road and I know as part of your lifestyle, I guess you travel by quite a bit. So I know roughly where you are right now, but maybe tell us uh, sort of where do I find you in this video today? Yeah, I'm in uh, La Paz, Mexico right now, down on the, uh, the Baja Peninsula. Um, yeah, just spending some time down here. I've, I've never been down here. Uh, I was supposed to go to Europe, but that energy crisis kind of spooked me a little bit. Uh -huh. um, there was some ugly headlines coming out months back. And uh, when they started talking about potential blackouts, that's what kind of scared me off, right? Yeah. Just the, I... uh, the thought of the power going out while I'm, <clears throat> while I'm working. Uh, you know, ironically enough, the power went out here today. So, oh, geez. <laughs> but, you uh, no you've just settled in, right? Into your yeah. new, your new digs and you're there for a little while, a month or something like that, or yeah, yeah, a month. They're just kind of bouncing around San Jose, La Paz, and then down to down to Cabo San Lucas. So, yeah. well, a, a little bit of an aside, but one of the things I really think is cool about your lifestyle um, is that you can do it from anywhere in the world as long as you have a good Wi-Fi connection. And, and I know you and your wife, you do a fair bit of traveling. In fact, you do quite a bit of traveling um, as you're doing this. So, uh, so yeah, I appreciate I know the markets are closed for today, so we can f uh, feel free to talk. So um, let's get to your story because, you know, you're sort of the star of this show today, Dylan. But um, I'm curious, uh, and, and even though I've known you for quite some time now, I don't really know your full story. So I'm looking forward to hearing that today. So maybe just tell us, how did you get started specifically as a day trader? You know, was there sort of like a, a driving force? Was there a moment that clicked or maybe just take us right back to when you first started? Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm one of those guys that got lured in during the, the, uh, the dot-com bubble back in 99. <clears throat> uh, kind of caught the tail end of it. And um, ironically though, I didn't start out buying stocks, which is where people made most of their money. Uh, I had a friend of mine who actually, I guess, was my first mentor. And he was a little more dialed in than me. And he found this strategy where he would wait for kind of really garbage companies to uh, just to run up, you know, two, three, 400%. And there was a lot of that happening just because of the froth of the environment. You know, just everything was going nuts. Money was sloshing around, just an extreme risk on environment. So, um, 
Yeah, he had the strategy where you wait for a really bad company to run up, you know, a whole bunch of day traders pile into it. And once the kind of volume tapered off and the, you know, the active traders started leaving, it would just start to drift down. So what we would do is we'd wait for that kind of turn and then just short it and um, ride them back down. And so that's, um, <clears throat> so, you know, we started testing a little bit and it was working. So um, I, uh, in order to short sell, there was a, an exemption back in Canada where you could naked short sell anything if you had a, a full serve broker. So I actually had to go to a full service broker, you know, the guys that you phone up. <sighs> and uh, so, yeah, I went downtown and, <laughs> and just picked a nice, the nicest looking building. And uh, I walked in and, you know, starving student, right? So I kind of looked like, a, you know, a little bit of a bum. I had jeans on. I had these, um, these like caterpillar work boots that I was wearing and nice. I don't even remember buying them, but somehow they were in my possession. <laughs> and I just, you know, walked and did a walk up at one of these brokers and uh, they were kind of looking at me a little funny, like some of the, you know, they're like, who's this roadkill sitting here in the waiting room? <laughs> and uh, so finally they called out one of the brokers and he, he led me into his, uh, led me into his office and just, I could tell people were looking and, you know, he was kind of exchanging glances with people like what's going on here. They look at me and then they look at him and, so yeah, they sat me down and says ninety to uh, ninety dollars to one hundred and twenty per uh, commissions per side. Signed up and then we started short selling, and it was working. It was, um, it was uh, God. It was just such a crazy time. There was the telecom boom. Um, there was e-com. You know, telecom led by Qualcomm at the time. Amazon was leading the e-commerce, and um, China stocks were booming. So it was kind of a funny environment where anytime a, a company had a press release that had one of these buzzwords in it, like e-commerce or wireless, the stock just like double tripled. Yeah, it was just uh, a wild environment. And um, yeah, so we just uh, just started short selling, worked for a while. Unfortunately, then the dot-com uh, bubble burst and we went from a, a risk on to a risk off environment. All those plays dried up. Uh, turns out I didn't know what I was doing anymore. So I, um, yeah, I opened up an online account, started pressing buttons, didn't know what I was doing and, and gave it all back. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I started with my student loan and, and finished back where, with my student loan. Um, you know, I was one of those typical college kids doing it from the dorm. So this is so reminiscent of what we've just gone through with all of the government benefits where so many people who had no clue what they were doing all of a sudden were making money on the other side of the trade though. But what mm -hmm. you just talked about is going short because I know the vast majority of people out there today, they're following the meme stocks and the garbage stocks that you talk about and typically buying them at the top and not selling them at the top. So you, you did it right, but then you say you gave it all back just from just yeah. lack of market or? Well, yeah, this, the, this, that, the market change in those plays were no longer available, but um, I almost got cleaned out a few times. I remember the worst one. There were a few times I almost, I almost got wiped out. There was this uh, Chinese toilet paper company and it's just nothing. It looked like a total fraud, but it had e-commerce in the, in the news release. And so I started shorting it. It started at a dollar 50 and I started shorting it around 10 to 12 and it kept going. And, uh, you know, I liked it at 10. I really liked it at 20. So I started shorting more and it, it cleared, it went over $80. And uh, I was trembling in my room. I turned my phone off mm. so my broker couldn't call me. And there were, um, yeah, there were a few instances like that. But uh, I'm thinking this was sort of late 90s, you said. You're probably 20 years or so early. Because if you would have got that Chinese toilet paper company just when the, when the COVID scare hit, <laughs> could have made a, a killing on the long side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just bad timing, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Well, at least so you didn't get at least you didn't get wiped out. So. No, no. So that's how it all started. And even though I, I kind of came full circle, 
I just, you know, I knew that this is something I wanted to figure out and, mm. uh, and, um, yeah, I just, I, I got hooked and then the long journey beca- uh, began. So you went from that, the flat out rookie experience to where you are today. Uh, have you taken any formal training? Uh, what, what gives you the skill set today to, to literally make your living doing what you're doing? No formal training, just a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of resources out there. I had my friend who kind of got me started, but a lot of books, um, you know, I went, did some online seminars, uh, online chat rooms, and I worked for some trader education firms, lots of trial and error. Um, I remember in the early days, a lot of us were in these, in these chat rooms, a lot of rookie traders, and we're all playing with these indicators, um, trying to figure out, you know, the, the Holy grail, this magic combination of, uh, of settings, you know, like CCI moving averages and MACD and all that stuff. And yeah, just trying to find that thing that worked every time. And, and mm-hmm. obviously it was a road to nowhere. And I remember being in one of the rooms and this guy came in and he says, uh, you know, you guys are, you guys are going about it all wrong. And you, you know, you got to get away from all these indicators and start studying price action because all these indicators are just, you know, they're ultimately just reading the price. It's a formula that's based on the price. So why not just focus mm-hmm. your eyes on that? And then the guy logged off and it kind of made me think and, and, um, that kind of steered me into the right direction, but yeah, no, no real formal training. It's mm. just a, when you, when you first start out, you kind of got to go into sponge mode and you just have to absorb everything you can. Yeah. Yeah. And some, some stuff sticks to you, some doesn't, and a lot of trial and error and just kind of slowly putting it together over time. That's Today, um, you are, uh, sit in front of your computer, do your, do your trades. Uh, what would a typical day look like for you? So a typical trading day. Typical day, um, get about hour and a half before the market opens and just kind of sit down and go through my routine. Uh, the, you know, the purpose, some people do their, a lot of prep work in the evenings. I like doing it in the morning just cause mm. I also have the, um, you know, I can look at the pre-market action, um, see what the news was overnight, see how the market's reacting to that news, try to get a feel for what the mood is of the market, especially in relation to yesterday. And then just go through the checklist, look at, uh, look at market sentiment indicators, look at, uh, look at positioning, look at how the options market is structured to, you know, to help gauge what, you know, what kind of day it might be or, or what the volatility is like. And then, uh, go through the charts, draw lines, um, look for all the important levels that traders might react off of, um, whether those be support and resistance or potentially breakout levels and just kind of, yeah, just build, build a bias and kind of have a framework, um, that I can have to kind of uh, sit back and just kind of react to price moving within that framework. And, and then yeah, the market opens and then just kind of go from there. Do you typically spend, what is it? Six and a half hours a day trading is that as, whenever the market's open or do you sort of, I, the reason I'm asking specifically is because my type of, of, of trading or investing it's, you know, I have time to do my assessments. You're obviously much more quick pace. And I think I would get pretty worn out trading all day, but what, what do you do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely draining. Um, I, I probably sit in a chair, maybe four hours out of the six and a half hours you got to take breaks, but I never really take my eye off it. You know, maybe go sit in the couch, but just keep a, keep a watch. It, it is draining to sit there all day. If I'm sitting there all day, it's either cause I'm having a great day or a really bad day. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you just have to stick with it for, for either. You're, whatever you're riding the wave or trying to get back on the board, I guess. Eh? Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Are you always there at market open? I imagine in your style of trading, the, that matters. Uh, for me, typically it doesn't really matter unless there's some major event out there. But what if you're not there at market open? Is that does it matter, or is that the sort of one of the critical parts of your day? 
Um, it can be. There's a lot of volatility off the open, obviously. That's um, where a lot of the uh, a lot of order flow happens. It's not a problem. It's just if you're not there for the open, you just miss that opportunity. But not everybody needs to. There's different styles. Some traders are range-bound traders, and they like to kind of let that first hour play out and let the market get kind of get situated, and then sure. um, and then start from there and kind of you know mm. get in the trenches and 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 buy and sell. So it's not essential. If you have open positions, obviously you need to be there. But it's um, it's not a big deal for me. I mean, I never miss it just because the opportunity's there. But it's not a problem if I do. You know? At the end of every trading day, are you basically out of all your positions? You're sitting in cash or? Yeah, cash at the end of every session. Um, I, I trade the index, index futures. So um, it's it's a leveraged product. And I just, I'm not comfortable holding overnight just because, mm -hmm. you know, that you can get big swings uh, in, in, in the overnight session. I just sleep better if I'm sitting in cash. That's what I do. But lots of traders take overnights and swing and invest. So. But right now, yeah, just just kind of purely purely in the, the intraday session. Yeah, I, I take over decades typically, so yeah, I don't mind if I miss the odd the odd morning. Um, it's a long time. What is when I when I think about when I think about your days, Dylan? Honestly, to me, it just seems like um, challenging. What would you say is the the biggest challenge, if it's possible, even to distill it down into, you know, tomorrow morning the markets are going to open at I guess it would be seven thirty your time or yeah yeah seven thirty. Yeah. Um, from there to market close, what would you say typically is the, is the biggest challenge that you face during the course of your day trading day? Biggest challenge of the day, I guess staying focused. It's um, it's hard to, some I guess some people can do it if you have a really strong attention span. It's just staying focused throughout the day it is a challenge um, just because sometimes the market lulls you to sleep. And you just you miss those little opportunities where if you know you're keeping a close watch, you, you see those, you know, those perfect setups. And so that's a challenge. And then just not getting uh, not getting lured into into um, low quality trades. You know, every all day, every day, the market's always trying to get you into bad trades. And it's just having the discipline to recognize that and just wait for you know your quality setups. Wait for the good opportunities. And um, yeah, if you're not dialed in, you're not focused, you're not prepared. It's right. easy to kind of make those mistakes. I remind, remember being at your apartment in Vancouver uh, a few years back now, I guess, and I, I came over to visit during market hours and, and you had shown me one of the trades that you had made earlier that day or just completed a trade. And I remember saying to you, like, I didn't recognize the name of the company. And I remember saying like, oh, that company, like, what do they do? And you kind of looked at me and said, I don't know. You, you, you had no idea what the company did but you saw the patterns or whatever it is that you looked or whatever brought that to your attention. You made a trade based on that. And again, go back to polar opposites. I mean, holy cow. Um, I like to know exactly what I'm owning. Uh, so I, I always found it was kind of, um, uh, well, just so ironic and how, how uh, opposite we are in that. Do you perform due diligence on companies? I mean, if I'm going to own Procter & Gamble, I, you know, I'm going to look at their quarterlies, et cetera. Do you even do that or does it, is it irrelevant to your trading style? No, I mean, for, for me, the kind of the extent of my fundamental analysis is just, you know, consuming the products, right? Like, you know, I know, <laughs> I know what Starbucks does, you know. Is, is I, Dos Equis a, a publicly traded company? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I've done a lot of research at Chipotle over the years, you know. But um, yeah, no, I just, um, I don't really do fundamentals because I don't really have an edge there, right? Like, obviously, fundamentals, they say fundamentals is the what to buy and the technicals is the when. Right. And um, 
for the indices and even just intraday trading in general, you don't really need to know what it does. It's ultimately, if something's moving and there's volume and you know there's money flow, it's just a, every, everything just becomes a trading vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. fundamentals obviously matter a lot. Well, it's, it's um, you know, in the, in the long term, it's, I'd say it's almost everything. Um, and I just, I don't really, even if I, I did want to do fundamentals, I don't, I don't really have an edge there just because it's not something I've, I've done a lot of this. I haven't been mm -hmm. trained in it. Uh, there, you know, there are a lot of resources. I have all the, um, I have all those, you know, those financial metrics. I have access to all that, all the things that you can quantify. You know, I can go look at those numbers, but you know, there's, there's, um, there's more to it than that. Right. For example, where's that line where something has, you know, a, a company has great value, but the, the multiple is so good that, you know, the market is actually a value trap as opposed to having good value sure. or, or where's sure. that line where a company's dividend yield is so good that the market's actually forecasting that the dividend is going to get cut, right? Like, I don't know any of these things. And, and these are things that you need to know. So I just kind of focus on, on where I do have an edge and where I can compete. And that mm -hmm. is kind of the right. short term and, and the technicals. I'd like to do research. I mean, reading up on some of those disruptive companies and, and technology and biotech, I mean, that's fascinating. But that's um, that's a whole other thing. That, that's a whole other trading plan. And um, it would require, you know, kind of, a lot of you know some work oh, and, and restarting your career well and, yeah. and it's kind of like the opposite as i said from what i do because um i do what i do but i have this curiosity about your style of investing and i guess it goes to say you probably have a curiosity about certain industries certain sectors etc or certain companies um, but it just doesn't fit necessarily into what you're doing um mm -hmm. is it what's the what's your typical holding period so if you buy a company whether you've heard of it or not before or an index for that matter, or a future, whatever you're trading, how long do you typically hold? I mean, obviously not for the most part, not more than a day because you close out at the end of the day, but would it be minutes, seconds, hours? It, it can be seconds. You know, if you get into something and you get a, you know, you're looking for kind of a quick scalp and it pops, you just take, you know, you can take it off and that can be less than a minute. Hmm. Generally, uh, I don't know, ideally anywhere from 15 minutes to half an hour. Um, sometimes though, you know, if, if the market is, is doing a trend day and, and you've caught that and you're riding that trend, you can, you know, hold a core position and then trade around it. So, you know, you're, okay. you're taking some off, you know, on the move up and then you're buying some back and so kind of trading trading the noise as it's moving in that direction. So, you know, technically it's one trade, but it's a lot of transactions within that trade. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, do you have, you can answer this or you don't have to, but uh, do you have like a percentage of your net worth, your investable net worth in long-term assets? Or are you like sort of all in with your day trade strategy? It's pretty much all in with the day trade. Yeah. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got a, a tiny long-term account, but it's, it's a cash account. And so I can't, I think it's like two, three days to settlement. So I just, it's, it's a pain in the butt. So I just kind of stick to the day trading. It's, which is mostly where I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of thought that. Um, I remember one time a long time ago we talked and, and I was just sort of going over my my week or my month or whatever I was talking about. And um, you kind of looked and said, gee, it sounds like, you know, that would be a kind of a nice lifestyle. And maybe, you know, maybe at some point, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older than you. So, uh, you know, I maybe have slowed down a little bit, but I've never, I've never um, delved into what you're doing. And it reminds me of an old neighbor I had, she's uh, 30 years ago or so. And this was a young guy. I don't know how old uh, he would have been, probably around 30-ish or so. Uh, he was a trader for one of the downtown Vancouver uh, you know, brokerages or dealerships. 
And what I remember from from his um, from my interactions with him was what I would just call pure stress. I mean, I saw a stress level so high in him that I just thought, and he and he he expressed that. I mean, he said it's stressful, and I know he left the business relatively young, like way, you know, she's probably mid thirties, I would say at the latest. Um, I know I would feel stress doing what you're doing. Uh, maybe talk to us, Dylan, about your stress level. You're a, a really, really chill guy. I know maybe that gives you some advantage when it comes to doing this, but is it go by day? Or are you just like, okay, you, this is what you do, let it run? Or what's your stress level? Um, it's not as, it's, you learn to deal with it. I mean, when you're, when you have your money at work, uh, obviously there's always a little bit of stress, but um, it's not too bad. One of the things that you can do to alleviate stress is um, is have a plan. You know, the more prepared you are, um, the less stress there is. You know, if you if you go into a trade and you know why you're getting into it, you have your entry, you have you know you have where you're going to get out if you're wrong, and you know you know where you're going to get you know you're going to take profits. That takes a lot of the stress out of it because you have a plan and you're just kind of following your rules. It's like your parachute is already there, ready to come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so. Where it gets stressful is if you don't have a plan or if you break your rules or if you have just too big of a position and, you know, you're worried about it. It it sounds like you're talking about my style of investing, too, because all of those same principles come in, know what you're going to own. Holding periods different, maybe the work going into buying them, but um, not getting too big in any one position. I don't care how Mm -hmm. safe it seems. Uh, Pretty much the same script, it sounds like. Yeah, bad. I mean, bad risk management is a recipe for stress. So there's mm-hmm. things you can do to mitigate it, mitigate it. You know, markets are still kind of erratic and and confusing at times. And uh, but you kind of get used to it. If I said to you or if you said to me, hey, how was your week? And you said, oh, it was a rough week. <clears throat> what makes a rough week aside from just, you know, losing on the trades? But is there anything particular that just makes a, a bad week in the day trading world? Well, a bad week. I, I mean, it's it's weird. It's a weird feeling because most people, when they go to work, they come home at the end of the week and they get a paycheck. You know, you're a little bit richer than you were when you started. Yeah. And you have a bad week. You know, all that work, all that time and preparation, and it happens. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, you're you're poor, you know, for it now. Right, Hopefully, you gain right. some experience, and and you know, you're not going to win all the time. You know, losing weeks happen, and hey, occasionally a, lo- a losing month. Um, but a, a bad week is it's just breaking your rules. It's, it's just making, making silly mistakes that you're not supposed to. And new, new traders that come to markets, they make all the rookie mistakes. But even if you're, you're a veteran, we're all human, right? We're going to, we're still going to slip up once in a while and you know, yeah. sometimes more than others. And, um, you know, a, a veteran is still going to make the odd rookie mistake. And, uh, you know, sometimes it costs you, you know, sometimes, yeah. Like I said, the market's always trying to lure you in and say, hey, come on in, the water's warm. And it's your job to be disciplined and say, no, it's not. And sometimes you get lured in and you get slapped and it's just, you just, you know, take the lumps and uh, try not, the most important thing is to try not to carry that forward into the next day or the next week. Yeah, like a a golfer hitting one in the water or, you know, three putting, you got to get the next hole you're starting over, I think. Yeah, exactly. You have to have a really short-term memory and... uh, I know there's a lot of there's athletes that do uh, they do training they do so, kind of uh, psychological training hypnosis to kind of deal with that to right right to um, to deal with you know putting away that that you know dealing with the the pressure and, and putting that out of their mind and stuff. So. 
you mentioned new traders and rookie mistakes. And one of the things that, that we hear all the time, and I don't have the inside scoop uh, into the, you know, into your world there, but you hear, I'll just paraphrase, 95% of day traders lose their money. You hear that all, all the time as a disincentive to go in. Um, is that accurate? Uh, the people that you've spoken with, your world, is that something that um, is true or is that just something that people throw out? Yeah, it's it's a number that's just thrown out there. I think where they get that from is they look at number of accounts that are opened and closed. So if 95% of, of accounts maybe are still open after a year of active trading accounts are closed, you know, they might count that as a, as a fail. The failure rate is high. It's just hard to put an exact number on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what does um, it mean, right? <laughs> yeah, but and the other thing too is that you know, there's people that will, you know, you talk to traders and they start out and they blow up an account but then they open another one and then eventually they make it work or somebody might um, open a, an active trading account and they might wind it down, but they'll, they'll figure out another way and they might switch timeframes or something. So it's, it's, you know, I wouldn't say 95% fail, but it is, it is high. And um, you know, there's, it, it is, it's a difficult profession. And, and um, so it is a high mm -hmm. failure rate, but. I mean, I think of even even my style, um, a lot of people fail in this style because they're well, I think the big thing, they don't have that plan you talked about. They're not disciplined because, you know, I believe if you just follow those sort of basic rules, you will be successful. That's just what the markets do. I kind of look at the opposite of a casino, you know, where you're the house and, you know, they don't mind if someone wins the odd jackpot or if someone wins on Keno or whatever, because they're going to win more times than they're going to lose. They're going to come out ahead. I, I, I think of long-term investing in good quality companies is very similar to that. It's much slower though, uh, the mm -hmm. process. Um, new investors or anybody who's looking at this and, and you know, there are people who have a core of blue chip companies, but are curious on, on the periphery and they have like maybe a side account. If someone wants to go this route, um, what would you say an aspiring day trader needs to know or needs to understand uh, what's sort of those key things if they're going to go down the route that you would share with your wisdom and experience the first thing i would say is <clears throat> it's going to take time you know i've i've worked at trader mm -hmm. education firms and uh one of the most common questions i would get asked is you know how long is this going to take and to me that was always a bit of a red flag because mm -hmm. it kind of shows a lack of patience you know somebody they they just want the results they just want the thing without you know you know working to get it you know mm. without going through the journey and so it always helps to kind of tell people that this is that you know this is not a get rich quick thing this is um it's a journey it's going to take time you're going to learn a lot about the markets but you're going to learn a lot about yourself as well you know mm. are you are you a disciplined person are you a quick thinker are you a deep thinker what kind of risk aversion do you have you know are you constantly you know are you comfortable operating on the edge of uncertainty and you know having your having your money at risk and so it's kind of a yeah it's, it's an interesting experience i would say learn technical analysis as i said earlier you know the fundamentals of the what the technicals are the when and you know people say you can't time the markets you can time the markets doesn't mean you're always right but there are signals and you know, it's about recognizing patterns humans you know we're basically pattern recognition machines and so when you learn to spot technical patterns that have an edge where, you know, 60% of the time this is going to produce this result. Well, that gives you a, a money making edge. And when you, you know, when you study those and you see them, you know, you start to recognize them when you look through a chart and, you, you know, as someone mm. used to call it, you know, seeing a picture of money, right? 
where you just you recognize that and say, okay, it sounds uh-huh. so easy, Dylan. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, but that's yeah. the thing is, I say a picture of money. This is something with an edge, but it might only work two out of three times. So I would say definitely, definitely learn technicals. Start on a simulator. A lot of people mm-hmm. come to the market with a live account, and it's just. You can, there are simulators or websites where you can do model portfolios. You can actively trade with paper money. So you, you can focus on, you can, you can develop your strategy, focus on your, uh, your process and press the buttons with, with paper money and just kind of iron things out and just see, so you know, you, you kind of know what you're doing, have that process. And then once you've got that down, then you can move to a live account, you know, now live account is more difficult because you obviously have the money psychology aspect, but at least, right. you know, get the, the process down. And it's amazing how many people don't want to do that. They just want to jump in feet first. Sure. And yeah. it's, it's it, you know, some, pe- some people, you know, they, they do it right. But you, um, you know, you would never say, if you said to somebody, hey, t- you want to take, uh, take a, a chunk of your life savings or all of your life savings and go take it to the blackjack table, right? They're going to look at you like you're crazy. But mm-hmm. if you, you know, but then they'll go and fund a trading account where they, you know, they, where they can press buttons and, and do just as much damage if they don't know what they're doing. So mm-hmm. I'd always say, you know, practice, practice, you're going to lose in the beginning. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. Why not do it with paper dollars? You know, you're going to pay tuition to the market, but pay as little actual tuition in real dollars as possible. Um, I'd also say, don't put your money in a firm that's not uh, federally insured. Uh, I've been in that case before there's uh, and it blows up and you're just, you know, everyone's out their money. It's not a lot of fun. There are a lot of firms out there, shady firms that'll offer you a ton of leverage and, you know, some of them are offshore and if anything goes wrong, your money's gone. Right. So always kind of make sure that your money is in a stable broker um, and don't take anyone's word for it either. Like verify your, that's what I did, you know, verify, it, you know, check for yourself um, just to, you know, to make sure your money's safe. What's your take being on this more exciting and I would say riskier side of investing? Uh, what's your take uh, about all the crap going on right now with the implosion of so many of these crypto firms? You talked about trust and do you know verify, and it's, it can be really challenging. And there's so many delightful opportunities that are luring people in. What's your general take? I mean, I got my take on the whole the whole thing, but uh, did it tick what's, you off? Or the, the the crypto bubble? You mean? Yeah, the bu- well, the bubble, but the deception and the 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 overt um, expression that this is an amazing opportunity, and you're a sucker if you don't take advantage of the opportunity. As so many people are being are being, you know, the the the, the lures in the water, and they're getting caught. Yeah. So I see it as deceptive and damaging, and, and you know, criminal oh, in some cases. Absolutely, and you, you know, it's not just crypto. You you see that with um, just regular online brokers. They they have these commercials. I mean, their E Trade had the commercials with the babies years you know years ago, and they, they make it seem like it's really easy. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think it's criminal because they're they're bringing people to the table that shouldn't be there, and they're just doing it so they can get commissions, and right. they're setting people up for failure and sometimes disaster. And yeah, it's it's a real shame. That's why you know, I always kind of caution people you know to be you know start slow and be and be and be careful. Uh, a lot of that happened. I don't trade crypto, but a lot of that uh, was going on apparently. And, you know, it's just yeah. one of those, you know, kind of, I didn't trade crypto, but it kind of reminded me of the dot-com bubble where just you have all these stupid coins, you know, just like you had all these stupid companies running. I don't want people to get hurt, you know, and I, and I yeah, I hate seeing the, uh, 
the kind of the, the crooks kind of yeah. taking mm -hmm. advantage of people. Yeah. Well, you, you said earlier, Dylan, um, where when uh, back in the dot com, when these stocks would run up and you'd kind of be patient and wait till they're on their way down. And, you know, what, what you did, I look back and the risk that you took on and you obviously, I mean, you're a smart guy and you were able to to wrap your head around it and learn. But today, the, well, always the polar opposite is happening where people who are, you know, they see these stocks spike up and they're, you know, they're typically they're buying at the top. It's they're they're not the ones that are selling. So the I always think that the ones who have, you know, done the pumping are the ones doing the dumping or maybe someone like yourself could get in on the other side of that trade. But uh, I, yeah. I hate to see it. It's damaging, yeah. but it repeats itself over and over. Right. You saw the same yeah. thing as the pot stocks, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just herd mentality and you see it you see it over and over again and the reason that it happens is because people they don't know how to spot turning points you know one of the mm -hmm. easiest one of the easiest things to do for an unsophisticated investor or trader is to observe what's happening and just predict that the same thing is going to continue and so that's why you have and i get people that come to me and they say hey the stock's up 400 percent. should i buy it and i'm thinking well why did you wait until now right mm -hmm. or the stock is down 50 percent. should i sell it and it's this, it's the same reaction like like why now like people that don't have any um don't have any any kind of risk management or don't have any any you know it's technical skills um where they can look at where something's weak or strong and, and look for kind of breaking points they're just they just look for for large moves and they just try to to, to get on board yeah and uh it's just you know you can make money playing hot potato but eventually uh all the bag holders get destroyed yeah that's why i always say you know learn technicals don't be don't be one of the herd you know if you want to play those games you can um but just know when you know the music's starting to stop and and you know protect yourself if you want to be, be part of the herd go play twister yeah yeah so exactly um dylan uh best parts worst parts uh just if you had to sort of sum it up your the life that you've chosen and i know that you're successful at what you do one of those whatever that small percentage is i i know you enjoy what you do because we've had lots of conversations about it um just on a higher level over the years but best thing about what you do your lifestyle your trading strategies um the most challenging thing and sort of i can lump it together uh, would you do it all again um if you, if you were that High, or that, that college kid again, uh, would you do it again? If I was a college kid again, I probably would have gotten into uh, one of those, one of the, uh, the the big firms. I would have liked to work under uh, a portfolio manager, like a large portfolio manager, mm -hmm. and just see how how they operate, see um, just see how it works from the inside, how they look at things. Have one of those kind of mentors, and and then branch out from there. Um, that's what I would have done, but I would have been in the same field. You know, I've, I, I love, I love the right. markets. It's uh, it's just yeah. this never ending puzzle as far as the, the best and the worst best part. Now I'm kind of a nomadic person. So the best part is just having that freedom to, uh, to, to work from anywhere. Uh, you know, it's nice to be able to press buttons on your keyboard and, and pull money out of the market. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a good feeling. The worst part I would say is it can be a lonely profession at times. Uh, because ultimately I'm, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, by myself, just staring at a screen, staring at squiggly lines. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I miss kind of having coworkers. I, I miss kind of goofing right. around and, and interacting with those people and even interacting with customers and, and, uh, you know, getting out of the house more. So yeah, it's a little lonesome at times, but 
you know, it yeah. is what it is. Dylan, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with the people who have stuck with us to this point to hear your journey? When you're getting into the markets, uh, whether you're doing investing or you want to do active trading, um, financial literacy of any type is good. But mm. your number one job is to figure out what kind of market participant you want to be. You know, what instruments do you want to trade? What time frames do you want to trade on? What tools and indicators do you want to use? And over, you're going to start to figure out what speaks to you. What kind of you know what you like to trade, how you like to to do it, and then go in that direction. Um, expose yourself to different styles. You know you can have mentors, but you're never going to be exactly like the person you're trying to mimic, just because we're all wired differently, right? And um, be open-minded about where you're going to end up. I know people that started out you know day trading and doing similar things as me, and it didn't work for them, but they they moved on to like say swing trading or you know longer time frames or just you know trading options or just doing something different and you don't know where you're going to end up so just mm -hmm. kind of don't say oh it has to be exactly like this because when you're going into it you don't when you're starting out you don't really know what trading is and so just kind of have an open mind to you know go through the journey and uh, just let it take you where it's going to take you you don't have to figure it out all by yourself there's a lot of resources obviously you know you're a good resource for investing um I would say don't mortgage your future on becoming a successful active trader. You know, I did that and it made the journey a lot more difficult because mm. it was either this, it was either success at this or failure. And it makes trading a lot more difficult because, you know, you have that failure hanging over your head. So it's, it's, it's a great idea to have other things on the go. Um, hey, there's lots of people that have jobs and they trade on the side and they have these two incomes that complement each other. Um, but have something on the go where if it doesn't work out or doesn't work out how you need it to or hoped it would, that you're not going to be kind of starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, just, you know, take it seriously, you know, treat it, treat it like a business because it is. And just know that, you know, you're, as you're learning, you're working on yourself, you're making yourself better. And if you... I would always recommend people, I wouldn't necessarily recommend active trading for everybody, but learning about the markets is a great idea because it's going to put you ahead of the average person and um, put you ahead of the herd. And it's going to, you know, it'll make you money. Even, you know, even if you're not super successful, it's going to help you. It's going to keep you out of trouble mm -hmm. and it's going to help you maximize other opportunities more. And uh, that's basically it. Take it seriously and uh, enjoy the journey. You know, Dylan, I, I, I feel sitting here putting on my editing hat. I want to take what you just said that last minute or so and put it right at the beginning of the video because every single person um, who tunes into this should hear that. I know some people are, are going to stick around till the end. So that is a, a, a wonderful summation of everything you said and uh, insightful. And I can hear in that um, your the passion and I can hear the wisdom that you've built up over all these years. So once again, uh, a million thanks for taking the time and and joining us today. Yeah, really great to be it. here. Great to see yeah, you. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, for those of you who had stuck, who have stuck around till the end of the video, uh, as always, I will put a link for our investing academy in the description below. And for those of you who are a little bit uh, scared, maybe of what Dylan just said, and I know there will be a few of you, um, blue chip investing, my style. Uh, let's give it fair time too. So I will put a link to a video I did not long ago, covers off all the benefits of that style of investing too. I invite you to have that. Uh, thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you in the next video.